podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm joined today for a special football edition of the podcast by Mike Plank. How are you doing today, Mike? Well, Andy, I'm sad because we're talking about football. How's that for you? <laughs> well, you know, it seems like uh, you're you're our um, quote-unquote football guru. It seems whenever we're talking about football, we have you on the podcast. So maybe we need to schedule better and have you on talking about something else instead. <laughs> no, that's fine. It's uh, That's my lot in life is to be a, a <laughs> KU football fan, I guess. So. Uh, there, there's other guys who are, are much more knowledgeable and much more passionate about the basketball program, and and, and that's fine to have them on over me. So th- this is fine. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to talk some more volleyball or baseball or something soon. So luckily, luckily baseball will be starting soon, and, and hopefully there's some some good stuff to talk about with that with that team as well. So well, yeah, I haven't I haven't looked into the baseball program too much yet. So we'll 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 see when we get to looking into it and what we think they might be able to do this spring. Yeah, it was an up and down season last last season. I know, um, you know, it was a little unfortunate they weren't able to make it to the NCAA tournament, but I, I'm sure they're going to be better in some respects. So, anyway, we'll go ahead and jump into that when we get there. But for now, uh, the, the big news of the last few weeks, uh, obviously, was the early signing period that the NCAA instituted for this year. Um, from December 20th to the 22nd, we, we tried to do a little something for on the site, but it, there was a little bit of you know, kind of question of. You know, are most people going to sign during the early period, or will there be a lot that still wait until February when the traditional signing period is? Um, that 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 question was answered pretty quickly when most schools, you know, had all of their or a good portion of their commits signed really early. But we did see some kind of weird things with some players, you know, telling media members that uh, you know they had at, or they had already sent in their letters of intent, but asked to not have it announced until February. Um, some really weird situations to go along with that, but uh, let's let's jump specifically to KU signing uh, signing day or signing period. Um, looking at the class that we had, you know, we had let's see, five, fourteen guys sign for right. sure. There's only one commit in Miles Emery, a defensive end out of uh, Blue Valley, uh, that has not actually signed but is still committed to KU. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the class overall? I mean, it could have been a lot better. <laughs> I mean, uh, the biggest miss is obviously Devontae Jason, the you know, the top 50 player, the, you know, number four wide receiver or whatever he was. The He would have been our first ever five-star recruit, you know, I guess primarily because you know, recruiting rankings only go back to what the late '90s. You know, I'm sure Gail Sayers would have been a five-star recruit, but oh, yeah, it didn't have that effective. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I think this class is. Yeah, they got a few nice players. Um, you know, they did get their first ever top 100 recruit in Corion Harris um, out of Landry Walker, which is the same high school that Mike Lee came out of, and Devontae Jason, um, and then Anthony Williams uh, chose KU over late pushes from LSU and Nebraska, uh, basically saying he didn't want to be just another guy; he wanted to help you know, program uh, immediately. Um, And uh, they got the highest rated offensive lineman out of Missouri and Nick Williams, a three-star kid, um, six, seven offensive lineman, uh, you know, so they've got some good P 
pieces, I think, but I think the story of this class is um, who they poured a bunch of resources into and missed out on. And then I think the secondary story is the lack of recruiting in the state of Texas. Yeah, yeah, those are two stories. I definitely want to hit on those, but um, before we do that, you know, there, there's been a lot of concern, obviously, with all the issues that this team has had. Um, and looking, you know, looking at the recruits that we have, we have nine recruits and one that hasn't signed yet, but, but nine of the 14 committed are on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but, you know, looking at who we're losing on the defensive side of the ball, um, we're not really losing too many guys. Uh, seniors, you know, we've got Kellen Ash, uh, Isaac Davis, and Jackie Desir, and then Issy Halani. Like, I think Issy Halani is the only name there that, you know, was contributing regularly. Um, but we are yeah. losing four defensive tackles for, um, who, who were seniors that went ahead and graduated. Um, and then, in, but, you know, in terms of the, the backfield, Derek, Derek Neal was the only graduating senior at cornerback. Um, you know, John Wordle at safety. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not a big name of guys that we saw contributing a lot to what we actually had going that was semi-decent. Um, so, you know, the fact that we recruited a lot, are you, I mean, are, are you expecting these defensive recruits to be able to step in and, and make an impact or are we still, you know, just as dysfunctional as we can get as, as a defense with uh, Clint Bowen at the helm? Yeah. I mean, having, assuming there's no defensive coordinator change, I don't, I mean, maybe the defense gets better. I thought Daniel Wise was going to be gone. Is he, was he not a senior? Was he just, no, he is a, uh, he was actually a junior. Which I thought oh, okay. the only one, the one of the big three that I thought was gone was I thought that Joe Deneen Jr. was gone, but he is actually a redshirt junior, so okay. uh, he, he so will be back next year as well. Assuming they don't decide to declare for the draft, I'm not expecting any of them to. Like the only guy that I think could declare for the draft and and think about going would be Joe Deneen, um, but he's he's basically already said yeah he's planning on being back for his senior year. So uh, yeah. I think having his brother here. Um, it's, it's definitely helping with that. You know, you, you don't get to play with your siblings on uh, bigger name teams very often. So, you know, even though, even though Kansas is not really a big name in the world of college football, they are still a power five school, um, you know, and, and the opportunity right. for those guys to play together doesn't come along very often. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm expecting him to be back. He's pretty much, he's made it pretty clear that that's the way he's leaning now. So uh, I'm not, I'm not really too worried about that. So yeah, it looks oh, like, yeah, good deal. Yeah, it looks like all of our major contributors are going to be back. Um, so that will be a big help on defense if, you know, if we get any kind of development over the offseason, bigger, stronger guys, you know, and, and, and our big impact signings, I think, were, were on the defensive side too. Um, you know, obviously headlined by Corian Harris. Um, right. You know, like, like we talked about, you know, I, I don't think he's enough on his own to help turn the defense around. But, but let me tell you, you know, Fish Smithson, was a big presence in the backfield, and he by himself that last year he was here made a lot of plays that made our defense look a lot better than it probably was um, before he left. So if if, if Corian Harris can come in and be you know seventy five eighty percent of that, that immediately improves our back our, our um, you know the backfield there, uh, or I'm sorry the secondary there, and gives us a, a shot to at least be respectable. Um, I mean, are you are you expecting him to be able to step in as a as a true freshman and make a huge impact back there, though? Sure. I mean, if he's a top 100 player, he he kind of needs to at a place like Kansas, doesn't he? Um, I mean, yeah. you don't choose Kansas to come, you know, redshirt your freshman year if you're a top 100 player. Like he, 
I'm sure that he expects to play right away, and I would assume the coaches expect to play him right away. Um, one interesting tidbit about him, he played corner and quarterback for his high school team this last fall, um, but uh, obviously he projects as a defensive back at the D1 level. Well, hey, um, you do need a quarterback. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I would even say, you know, that, that that's a glaring omission in this class as well. I, you know, Clayton Toon keeps committing, decommitting, whatever. He's done that twice now, and um, Kansas, Kansas just offered another quarterback. Um, I can't for the last – some place out of California maybe. Uh, let me look it up here. I believe so. um, Or maybe Arizona. But, uh, yeah, he, he's a th- – Arizona, that's right. Uh, Brock Purdy out of Arizona, um, a pro-style quarterback, a uh, three-star kid, uh, who at least he's a prep. Um, I think another story that we can kind of talk about a little bit is uh, the the number of JUCO players in here. Uh, like, for example, we've got three defensive ends signed. They're all junior college transfers. Right. Um, we've, we've got one defensive tackle signed. He's a junior college transfer. Uh, you know, so, yeah, we've got a bunch of signings on the defensive side, but they're all junior college transfers. So, you know, and you just kind of went through the list of the guys that are graduating. How many upperclassmen are we going to have on the defensive side of the ball next year? Um, and the the lack of recruiting high school players is, I mean, we're going to be, let's see, in 2019, we're going to be in the same situation that we were in in 2015. Like, it's just, it's just repeating itself, and I don't know <laughs> – I feel like uh, Beatty's pulled a fast one on everybody. Uh, you know, we're going to recruit the right way, and we're going to recruit, you know, we're going to build from high school ranks and all that stuff. And here he's going out recruiting nine JUCO players every class. Uh, and the class is only half over. I mean, he could go out and get, I guess they've got 14 players. He could go out and get nine more if he wanted to. Yeah. And to your point, I just counted them all up. We have 30 juniors on the roster from this previous season. So all of those guys are gone after next year. Uh, I mean, so yeah, I mean that that speaks to the fact that we had junior college, you know, a bunch of junior college uh, recruits because you know you can only have twenty five scholarships in a class, which means right. you know these weren't all like four year guys that came. We had to have quite a few of them from junior college rank in order to have thirty guys, more than an entire recruiting class, to leave. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean we're going to be, I think, in pretty Serious trouble. Well, uh, and as I, as I look at it here, Corion Harris is the only prep defensive player that we've recruited. We right. we have. I've already gone through the D line. We've other got two safeties and, and two more corners. Yeah. Well, he's not signed yet. Well, right. right. Um, so yeah, yeah. He's the only one that we've yeah. signed, but we do. I mean, potentially we have Miles Emery, and being a local Blue Valley kid, um, you know, he and he seems he seems pretty pretty committed to Kansas. Um, I don't even think K State's really recruiting him very hard anymore, but um, I, I may be wrong on that. But I mean, you know, I would expect him to sign. He just wasn't ready to sign. Now he wants to wait till February. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, looks like Oklahoma's coming have... after him pretty hard. Uh, well, according right. to according That's to two four seven Sports, he's got offers from Iowa State, Louisville, and Oklahoma, and uh, looks like Oklahoma's coming after him pretty hard. So, okay, I had the Oklahoma uh, angle. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that could be another guy we lose out to, another fairly local kid we lose out to Oklahoma on. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy that we, you know, that went down there from Lawrence. Oh, yeah, Bledsoe. Right. And, Monty Bledsoe. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, the, the funny thing is he said he went down to Oklahoma. He was expecting to have an immediate impact. I don't think he played very much this year. Um, but 
you know, that's kind of the life of what it is at Oklahoma. Is, you know, even the really talented guys don't necessarily play immediately down there. Uh, it'd be nice to, to to get to that point where we can recruit guys, you know, and, and hope to stash them and develop them. And, uh, but anyway, I, I, I digress. Um, so, yeah. So looking at the class overall, I mean, other than Corian Harris, though, is there any of these guys that really jump out to you? Like, I'm expecting Corian Harris to come in and make an immediate impact and actually improve this, this defense. I'm not looking at any of these other guys that I think are going to have an immediate impact, other than maybe Anthony Williams. If he's listed as an athlete, not really sure what position he's uh, projected to play here, here at KU. Um, I could see him being used in several different areas and, and maybe making an impact, but really the question is going to be where. Um, but is, is there any other guy that you think is ready to kind of step in and, and immediately make an impact, either because we're so thin at that position and don't really have any or don't have really any good guys there or that maybe you just heard enough that, you know, he's going to be a little bit more impressive than, than his rating would, would indicate? Um, so the, the the question is who's going to contribute other than Corian Harris? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So because we both expect him to come in and immediately compete for playing time, or uh, you know, uh, or, or possibly even a starting job and, and play significantly his freshman year. Um, I would expect uh, Anthony Williams, uh, the kid that we talked a little bit about earlier already, um, out of Louisiana, um, different high school out of Hanville, but uh, you know, three star kid held uh, KU held off LSU and Nebraska to get him. Um, he, you know, he's one of the faster players in the class. Uh, he's just a five, nine, you know, 170 pound scat back type of guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, if, if KU could figure out a way to, um, you know, get him the ball in space, like he, he's been compared to like Dexter, Dexter McCluster, um, type of players. Um, and, you know, I think he could probably make an impact on the offense. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, the rest of these guys are Juco players. I don't know anything about them. So, <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't expect either that we, we signed two prep offensive linemen. I, you know, I hope that our current offensive line is good enough to not let, you know, true freshmen come in and start, but, you know, they had a rough year last year too. So, well, um, not only that, but we're losing, we're losing three offensive linemen to who, who were seniors. Um, oh, okay. Who played somewhat? Zach Hannon. Uh, Zach Hannon, I know, played a little bit. Jason Rhodes and Kyle Puglia, or Pullin. Is it Puglia or Pullin? I wrote that down wrong. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, so, I mean, we're yeah. losing a few. But but most of the starters are returning. Like Hannon was that transfer from Nebraska, and he didn't see playing time till later in the year. Um, yeah. Jason Rhodes backed up a lot of a lot of guys, and I think maybe got a few spot starts. But most of the offensive line will be back. It sounds like. Um, so hopefully these guys can redshirt and get stronger and learn the schemes and whatever. So I wouldn't expect to see either of them this first year. Um, but but as for the rest of these, like, I mean, do we think one of these Juco safeties or corners is going to come in and, and take a spot from a returning starter? I mean, I, I don't know. Well, yeah, right. I mean, the one thing I will say, though, is that our returning starters, with the exception of Mike Lee, you know, probably, you know, they're they're not necessarily like guys you have to keep out there. I mean, Derek. Derek no, yeah, by no means. Derek Neal is he? He graduated, but he was playing quite a bit. So it's not like you know the guys are returning or taking all the time or anything like that. So um, right. yeah, I mean, I could see them coming in, but I don't. I don't. I just don't think anyone's going to have that huge impact that we would expect to see. So um, yeah, so that's a little disappointing, obviously. Yeah. So well, yeah. and again, like I said, the only one who really has a chance would be 
Anthony Williams, uh, since we both expect Corian Harris to play, and and we don't know what we're getting in these two co-players. Yeah, I think I think a guy like Matt Copeland. I've been hearing a lot of good things about him. I could see him potentially coming in more in a reserve role. Um, I don't think he's going to displace any of the starters, um, unless you know, unless he just completely impresses. But it, just what I've been hearing, I'm not expecting him to. But yeah, so there's going to be a lot of questions. The one thing I will say though, it looks like you know, at least at the rest of the offense, or yeah, at least at the rest of the offensive positions. We're not necessarily losing a lot. Um, the only one that does kind of concern me that we don't have a replacement for is Ben Johnson at, at tight end. Um, you know, he well the he Florida was, State kid that transferred in, but you know, well, again, he didn't he didn't do that much at Florida State. So right, right. So yeah, that's a potential replacement, and I actually had forgot to write to write him down. But um, you know, yeah, he could potentially step in. But right, you know, he didn't really play. I don't think he played very much at all last year and the year before that when he actually had stats I think he had a total of like seven catches for like 50 something yards I mean it was not yeah it wasn't that yeah it wasn't much and it's Maven Saunders for those who are wondering Maven Saunders transferred from Florida State he's a senior graduate transfer he'll only have one year of eligibility right so basically a rental (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean that's the best way to think about it you know he he came in as a graduate transfer which is what allowed him to, to come and play immediately um so yeah, I mean, you only expect those guys to have one year, or so. But um, I mean, it, it's I, the more I think about this class, the more it seems like we got to the end. Of, you know, we got to the end of the recruiting period. We said, "Oh my gosh, we don't have very many prep players. Let's go find all the college players we can, just so we can fill out the class." It's like you know, the hope was that we could get Devontae Jason, we could get Corian Harris, and we could get Anthony Williams, and then fill up the rest of it with a bunch of junior college players and, you know, have a a decently rated recruiting class and be able to call it a win. Um, Not getting Jason hurt, obviously, the rankings that we have for this recruiting class. And it pretty much, you know, ruins any kind of um, offensive value that we were getting. Um, You know, and Anthony Williams obviously could still be a good offensive player. Um, But, yeah, like like you were saying, you know, Maven is not really going to be any kind of replacement, I think, for Ben Johnson. Um, and that's basically the entire offensive impact that we have. Um, yeah. So it, I guess I'll, I'll ask you, though, you know, is this enough? Getting all, all the publicity that's come from getting the highest rated recruit that Kansas has ever gotten, is that almost going to be kind of like a uh, win against Texas effect where someone can point to this and say, hey, look, things are going in the right direction because we got this huge win in recruiting. Now, granted, it was only one player. Um, but is that going to be like the one thing that people can point to to justify, um, or specifically Zinger can point to to justify keeping Beatty around longer than he than he needs to be kept around? Like, is that going to have the same sort of effect where people are going to say, you know, lay off? He's doing what we want him to do. He he got that big recruiting win. He's doing the recruiting that we need. Kind of like a lot of people were saying that that Texas game was, you know, the the sign of the big turnaround that we were expecting. Right. I see what you're saying there, and I'm sure it will be used by. Uh, the people who are, you know, defending Zinger and Beatty, um, you know, but here's the thing. I mean, it's it don't and don't get me wrong. It's great that Corion Harris wanted to come to KU and sign with KU, and he's our highest rated recruiter. Like that's great. Oh, yeah. um, you know, good for good for the kid, good for the coaches, good for the university. Like that's awesome. But here's the thing. You know, one four star corner is not going to turn around a program. Um, I mean, you you have to. And it, it sounds like, based on the, re, the returning starters that we've already talked about, it sounds like they're going to have pieces to, you know, around him to fit him in there and, and to make him a productive player. But, uh, you know, what turns around college programs is quarterbacks. 
Right. And this staff has not found a quarterback in four years. Uh, you know, Bender was a disaster. Carter Stanley is okay. Um, I mean, I like the kid. I, I think he's the best quarterback on the roster, but the staff doesn't seem to agree. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, what, when you think of when Kansas was good, they had good quarterbacks. They had, you know, they had Mark Williams. They had, uh, you know, uh, Bill Whittemore. They had Todd Reesing. I mean, and, you know, the, you can name the quarterbacks from the good teams. And, you know, that's probably true of any any team, I guess. But um, college is a quarterback game, and you have to have that. Even if your line isn't that great, a good quarterback can make up for that. Look at RG3 at Baylor. I mean, when he first got there, their line was, you know, they you know, they were in the same position as Kansas. You know, they were losing every year. Um, they were winning three or four games maybe. Um, you know, the recruiting was awful. You know, the offensive line was a bunch of two-star players. And RG3 got there and completely transformed that entire program. Um, and... Uh, and that's what you have to do is you have to find a quarterback. Um, so it's it's great um, that the kid is here. Um, I, you know, I, hopefully he's going to be good. Hopefully he'll um, continue to um, grow and develop and turn himself into a first-round draft pick. Uh, but, you know, it, you, you can't turn around a program with one four-star cornerback. I mean, it's just I – don't, I don't think so anyway. I don't think it's possible. No, um, I, I agree. And, and yeah. to be honest, I don't think defense is where you can turn the program around anyway because uh, – Yeah, you know, I agree. I mean, TCU was a really good school in the Mountain West, right, with a, with a really good defense. They came to the Big 12, and they were competitive at least um, with a good defense. But, um, you know, they didn't really start winning well, you know, winning in the Big 12 until they were – until they got the offense and went on, and just went crazy on offense. So – Right. Um, well, I remember when, when Mark Mangino came to Kansas, um, you know, the I, I specifically am thinking of the 05 and 06 seasons, would have been his third and fourth seasons. We had a, a decent to good defense, and we won, what, five, six games those years? Right. Um, you know, the, the program didn't turn the corner until Todd Reesing took the quarterback job. Yep. All right. So, yeah, I mean, that basically <laughs> – sums it up is that you know we don't we don't have a quarterback in this class which i thought was really disappointing um and until we get a good quarterback you know in the class uh, i'm not really expecting too much to turn around so yeah. you know but one one final point you know for those of for those people that are are wanting to try to use this uh the recruitment of Corian harris as a big point of why we keep Beatty, you know that's not really on Beatty. that's on tony hall and we've had that discussion you know he's the guy the local guy from from the Louisiana area yeah, with all the Italians, with a bunch of Louisiana guys. And if Tony Hall wasn't on staff, I mean, you know, if we got some other some other guy on staff that was recruiting in the area that was from that, you know, general vicinity, but it wasn't Tony Hall, I doubt we even come close to getting Corian Harris. I doubt we come even close to getting Anthony Williams. Um, you know, he's the main reason that we had any kind of recruiting success this time around. Right. Uh, right. Abedi hasn't been successful getting anybody from Texas. And everybody he's gotten from Texas has not really turned out the way we needed them. So, um, you know, you can't say Beatty is the recruiting guy on the staff, and that's why we need to keep him because he's doing so well with recruiting. You know, I, I can definitely envision, even if we got a new head coach, you know, it shouldn't be too hard to keep Tony Hall on the staff and keep that pipeline to Louisiana open and actually give us a shot to get more guys um, and potentially bring in a guy like Devonta Jason. Um, you know, because I can guarantee – you know, as, as likable of a guy as David Beatty is, people look at his X's and O's experience and the way he's been able to coach this team, and it definitely puts us at a disadvantage for some of these elite guys that are looking to win as opposed to just getting a bunch of playing time. So, 
So, yeah. Unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at, you know, really. Uh, and, and like we've said multiple times, you know, we don't want to be this negative about the program. I would, I would absolutely love it if all of a sudden everything clicks this year. Um, you know, Peyton Bender or, or Carter Stanley, whoever starts the year at quarterback, is able to finally get it to click. The offensive line clicks, and all of a sudden, you know, we win seven games. If that happens, I would be ecstatic, and I would be just right. fine keeping Baden. I just don't see that happening, and unfortunately – I don't think it's going to change until we get a new coach. Um, you know, I, I, I love David, David Beatty's attitude. I love what he has been able to, to help do with, uh, with fundraising and all of that, you know, and kind of just the general attitude that's around the program in terms of like the outlook um, of the individual players, you know, you know, so the, um, the the actual, I mean, really, there's no other way to say it other than the positive attitude. But we've we've had the discussion that that positive attitude, well, it's great to be around, you know, and it makes for a, an enjoyable program um, when you're actually talking with him or you're actually experiencing there at the at, at the games. The on the field product is nowhere near where it needs to be to make it an enjoyable experience for fans coming out of the games. And, and that's really what it comes down to is if the fans aren't enjoying it. Uh, if the if, you know if the donors aren't seeing the progress, then that support that he's getting right now that he has kind of just built in is going to dry up soon. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of time left, and while I would love to see him be able to turn it around and be a guy that could stay for you know get some good success and stay for 15 years or something like that, um, he just hasn't shown anything to make me think that that's likely to happen. So um, you know, hopefully we make a decision. If something happens this year, so that that decision can be made. Either he turns it around pretty drastically this year and we feel comfortable going with him for the long term or it's bad enough this year that finally everybody around the program realizes that we have to make a change and that actually happens so all right well any other thoughts on the on the football program in general or the recruiting class or anything like that well the only other thing i really wanted to kind of touch on was i just don't understand um the recruiting strategy the overall strategy being employed by the staff um, you kind of went through, you know, the graduating seniors and, and who's coming back and, and, you know, what we're losing. And this seems like the perfect year to have a class full of high school recruits, um, you know, because we've got all these juniors and we didn't lose that many seniors. Like it just – this seems like the perfect year to just stock up on high school recruits, um, redshirt them, and have them ready to go in 2019. But that's – that's not what ha- what's happening. We're seeing more and more um, junior college recruits. I think Beatty's up over since since he stepped foot on campus. Prior to this recruiting class, 39% of his recruits had been junior college transfers, and that's obviously gone up now with nine out of 14 in this class being junior college transfers. And I and I just don't get it. And 39%. I mean, that seems maybe a little high, but I think that that's a reasonable amount. Like. You know, especially for a team that's trying to rebuild, you want to try to bring in some guys that can bring some positive experience at the college level. Right, um, and I get that, but that's not what he that said I, he was going to do. Right. Well, I mean, and even then, right, given what he said he was going to do, that's a little high. But, our, you know, I could make the argument that 39% is not horrible. Um, you know, given where the program's at, given what we need and how we need to try to build a winning culture. But the way that we're going right now – this reeks of desperation because he was essentially told that the results this year were not good enough, that he needs to go ahead and, and make that, you know, improve. Um, so he's abandoned everything 
you know, all of the philosophies we had of the way we were going to build the program just to try to go ahead and get the results to be better. Like, like you were saying, you know, he survived a one in 11 season and a three and 33 start for his career. You know, he survived that. So you'd think if he survived that and they really bought into the idea that, you know, we are trying to rebuild this program. We are trying to get the, the scholarship situation back under control. And we're really, really trying to set the, the foundation to build the program. You know, like we, we realize because we don't have facilities, um, you know, we don't have the, the scholarships. We don't have the, the roster situation that we need to be successful. This would be the perfect time to continue to finish building that. You know, we're raising the money to, to update the facilities. Regardless of how much you, you know, may or may not think we actually need to update the facilities to be competitive, you know, that effort is underway. If that's really the line that you're selling to your fans, then you need to go all in completely on that and say, look, it, you know, we may not get the flashiest recruits. We may only be able to get a bunch of, you know, two or three star high school guys. But we're confident in our staff that they're going to be able to develop these guys to set that foundation, to get some consistency, to get some continuity, you know, and really build this program. And then we can, in a couple of years, start adding all of these, you know, all-star type guys. Um, maybe we can get a four-star or somehow, you know, do enough to show we get a five-star. But this is, you know, this staff basically, I'm sorry, this, this recruiting class basically shows, well, the staff was told the results are nowhere near well or good enough. You need to increase it or you need to improve it dramatically in this next year or you're gone. So what did they do? Well, we want to get a bunch of guys that we think can play right now. The best place to do that is go get a bunch of junior college guys. It completely destroys, um, you know, the, the whole system that they were setting up to, to build the program for the long term. And this, this tells me, you know, Fort or we've got, let's see, five of the recruits that have signed are, are high school players. Nine of them are junior college players. So that tells me right now that, you know, they're saying, well, we've got to win this year. Let's go get some experienced guys that we think can help us do that. Um, you know, so, so if we don't see results this year and he still doesn't get fired, then this entire thing is a complete train wreck because now we've abandoned our recruiting philosophy for, for building the program um, and we're not willing to get rid of a coach that obviously can't perform the way we need him to. So, um, so really, I mean, that's, that's what it's come down to. Yeah, we, we've abandoned our philosophy on building the program. Um, at this point, because Beatty realizes that he has to win now or he's gone. And he prioritized that over what he said he was going to do in building our program. So, And on that depressing note, any other final thoughts you wanted to uh, throw out there before we get out of here for the day? No, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm all done. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pull a uh, something that I only do on, on Fetch episodes. Was there any other – even – I don't even care if it's related to KU sports specifically. Any other kind of topic you wanted to talk about at all? Maybe the college football playoff or have you, you know, any of the bowl games that you thought were particularly interesting? Um, I have watched very, very little of the bowl games. I watched, let's see, I watched about five minutes of the K-State game. Um, I watched about five plays of the West Virginia game. Uh, but that's been about it. Uh, I probably will not watch the college football playoff either because I just don't care. Um and yeah, so <laughs> not much really left out there for me to talk about. Um, I did notice the other day that three of the four college football playoff teams have red as their primary color scheme. So 
um, uh, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama. So, you know, there's a little nugget for you. So, so uh, what you're saying is we need to wear the crimson uniforms more often? Wear, wear the crimson uniforms more often. That's right. There we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, w- it wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that, you know, red is, I think it's like the primary color for like 45% of, of all the schools. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'm guessing that that probably has more to do with it than actually meaning something. <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the only other thing I will say is that uh, Texas played Missouri um, in the, I forget which, the, the, whatever the bowl was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Belt Bowl is what <laughs> yeah. it was. Texas, but no, it was, a, it was a Texas bowl. I, I, I was able to find it and watch any of it. I followed it on Twitter and watched yeah. the Missouri fans melt down. It was hilarious. Right, yeah. Like the big, the big stories that come out of it was that uh, I believe it was the Missouri quarterback that did some really weird, awkward celebration, and the Texas, the Texas coach made fun of him later in the game for it. I think right. it that yeah. way. Right, and it yeah. blew up on Twitter, and a bunch of people got mad, and it was just absolutely hilarious. And you know, we can at least say that we are better than Missouri football because Missouri wasn't able to beat Texas, and yet we did last year. So <laughs> we will we will use that as our annual or our, our periodics. You know, Kansas beat Texas in football reminder, and let's all laugh at Missouri. So, yeah. All right. Well, Good we'll call. go ahead and leave it there. Um, I don't imagine we're going to have too much more football news until the signing period in February. Um, we will go ahead and cover that on the site. Well, we're going to, I think we're going to try at some point to kind of do a little bit of, uh, in, uh, articles that are talking about some of these guys, um, trying to do a few more recruiting updates, things like that. It's kind of hard to get a lot of that information, especially if you don't live in the Kansas area. So, um, yeah, or pay for it. Well, yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, you, you have, you have to pay an arm and a leg for it. So, but right, we will yeah. definitely keep you guys updated as much as we can on it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to have CDOT back on the podcast here to talk a little bit of football and basketball and KU and Missouri. Um, you know, while, while I don't necessarily care too much about Missouri, they are still kind of our rival. It's kind of nice to know what's going on so we know where the trigger points are to laugh at them a little bit better. So, um, <laughs> But we'll go ahead and – so I think that's probably going to be the next time we talk football here on the podcast. Um, and then obviously when we get into spring football, maybe we'll actually see something encouraging from any of these guys. Um, oh, you know, the one thing I didn't say that we didn't talk about is that Gabriel Rui, our place kicker, is graduating or did graduate, um, which means that he was granted. Be- well, no, no, no. I'm going to stop you right now. He was granted a medical red shirt. Um, he, so he will be. He, yep. He will be back next year or not okay. a medical red shirt. He was he didn't play in 16. So he was granted a red shirt for that. So I don't think it was medical, but he was granted a red shirt for that season. So he'll be back next year. Um, so it'll be him and Liam Jones again, uh, probably sharing duties. And, and uh, I mean, he had 85% of his field goals last year, so I'm sure he'll be the place kicker again, and Jones will be the kickoff specialist. And Oh, yeah, yeah, and, definitely. Uh, we'll go well, from there. So. In, in that case, I say boo on ESPN um, because their roster typically shows whatever their, you know, eligibility year is. So if they're, if they're a redshirt junior, it'll still show mm. senior. Yeah, it definitely showed senior, and it made it seem like he was leaving this year. So, so that is good though. Uh, what about what about the punter, Colmos? Because um, this says that he's a senior too. Well, I haven't heard anything on him, so I would so, assume that he's graduated as well. So I guess we'll be looking for a new so. punter. I guess we'll be looking for a new punter, but I think I think in a way that's a little easier. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, a good punter can can help. I mean, it's it's going to be important to Kansas because I think we're going to be punting quite a bit. But you know, with that kind well, of I mean, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. a punter won MVP of the Texas Bowl. So, I mean, there you go. Right, right. That was, that was yeah, that was another little nugget I forgot to mention. That's the absolute <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I've ever heard of that happening, a punter winning an MVP of any particular game at all. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap this up at this point. Um, thank you guys for listening. Mike, thank, thank you for joining me today off, uh, and, and talking about what is obviously a very painful subject for for anyone who's, who's a Kansas fan uh, in, the, in the football team, we will definitely try to have you on um, for something, something a lot more fun to talk about. Maybe we'll get one of those big uh, episodes where we have, you know, four or five of us all talking about, about basketball or something. So um, there you but, go. But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely go ahead and get that in the works. Um, you guys, we will have another episode um, after this uh, next week, after the new year, um, you know, it actually it's my birthday tomorrow on uh, New Year's Eve. I had thought about trying to record one tomorrow, uh, talking about resolutions and all that fun stuff, but decided I'd rather be doing other things on my birthday. So um, <laughs> fun for me. <laughs> and then, of course, it's going to be difficult to uh, to record on the first. We have a game on the second. Uh, so it's just going to make, make a lot more sense. I think we'll probably end up recording next Wednesday on the third. Um, if you guys are listening to this and do have any questions, you can always contact us um, at Rock Chalk Talk on Twitter. Obviously, uh, you could leave a comment at the site. You can email us. It's rctsbn at gmail.com. Uh, or you can just jump on the masthead. You can actually send an email uh, or, or Twitter to, to us directly. Um, but, yeah, we're always there for you guys to talk to. We, we definitely would like to be answering your guys' questions if you have any. So if you do have any, please, please get in contact with us. Um, you know, check us out on, on iTunes. Go ahead and rate us. Uh, all that, all that fun stuff, you know, all the stuff you hear from every podcast, rate us on iTunes, rate us wherever else you get your podcast from. It does help us to get more visible, to get more people paying attention, uh, to get more feedback on the podcast so that we can go ahead and, and, and improve it for you guys. So um, we will go ahead and get out of here. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. Podcast Network.